from Holy Spirit. Hey, look, guys, I grew up Baptist. We have any other Baptists? Come on in the chat. You grew up Baptist. You are Baptist. Show me your Baptist roots. Uh, so if you, if you came from a Baptist background, you know there is a wide range of experience, understanding, teaching related to the Holy Spirit. You know, on the one hand, there's this idea that there's God the Father, God the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit, who's kind of like sidekick, right? Like if Jesus is Batman, the Holy Spirit is Robin. He's the, the Sam to the Frodo. He is the Barney to the Fred, you know, like, and so he's, he's kind of the, the, he's the supporting actor in the drama. And uh, we know the Holy Spirit fills us. We know he gives the fruit of the Spirit to us. We know that he gives us gifts. But if you start talking too much about the gifts, then you slowly start creeping over the other end of the spectrum where you've got the Bapticostals, okay? Now, a lot of them came off the mission field, and they brought back their fantastical stories of healings and miracles and some of them spoke in tongues they were really pentecostals that just weren't quite ready to be labeled as full crazy yet okay now i had friends and mentors and teachers on both ends of the spectrum and so i went through a process in high school where i thought you know what i want to find out for myself what scripture teaches the role of the holy spirit is and how he wants to engage in my life now i went through a process and let me tell you something i had a really unique encounter and experience with the holy spirit and two significant things happened one I developed this love for scripture. It was insatiable. Like, I couldn't get enough of it. And then the other thing that happened is I felt like my experience of life and faith went from, like, black and white to color. It was like the Holy Spirit widened the aperture and endless possibilities became apparent to me. And so this is what I want to invite you into today. No matter your experience, your background, what you've heard about the Holy Spirit, who you think he is, I want you to go on a journey because I feel like you owe it to yourself to find out for yourself who he is and how he wants to engage in your life today. Now, let me take us all the way back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on particular people at particular times for particular reasons. And so he anointed Bezalel to create artistic designs for the tabernacle, filled Joshua to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. He empowered the, the judges like Othniel and Gideon and Samson. He enabled David to be the king of Israel. He emboldened Ezekiel and Micah to prophesy and stirred Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. But the prophet Joel announced, proclaimed, foresaw a time when the Holy Spirit would no longer just come on specific people at specific times for specific reasons, but the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people. Now, you fast forward to the earthly life of Jesus. God's presence and power comes in the form of a human being. But Jesus is coming to the end of his earthly life. And he says to his disciples, I am going away. But something better is coming. I'm sending my spirit. Now, look, that had to sound shocking and disturbing and confusing to the disciples. It kind of sounds that way to us today because what could be better than the tangible, physical, bodily presence of Jesus among us? 
And yet we fast forward to the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is poured out on 120 people who begin to preach in languages they do not know. 3,000 people are added to the church in one day and the message of Jesus begins working its way across the entire ancient world until one day, 300 years later, you've got almost the entire empire bowing the knee to the name of Jesus. How does that happen? Well, on one hand, when you've got a guy who has predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off, that just gets attention. But the other thing that happened is that the manifest power and presence of God was no longer confined to the temporal limitations of a physical human body. And the Holy Spirit was no longer just filling particular people at particular times for particular purposes, but the Holy Spirit was filling each and every follower of Jesus, which meant the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lived in them and was going with them wherever they went. That's the reality that we live in. And I want to encourage you today, the Holy Spirit is not some mysterious force that we're trying to wield. It is not a code to crack. It is a person to know. The Holy Spirit wants to know you and wants to be known by you. Now, I just think it's interesting in Scripture. God the Father wants to be known. Jesus wants to be known. The Holy Spirit wants to be known. And in Scripture, God is given names whereby we know him. Lots and lots of names in Scripture that God reveals to us who he is. Jesus was given skin so that we could physically, tangibly, presently know Jesus the Son. The Holy Spirit in Scripture is given metaphors. Like, he's a dove, oil, water, wind, fire. And I just wonder if it's because the Holy Spirit's role is so unique and so nuanced and so layered and kaleidoscopic that we need poetry to best understand it. Now, I want to offer a metaphor to you today. Now, admittedly, you will not find this word in Scripture as a metaphor describing the Holy Spirit, but I believe the functionality is present in Scripture, and that's this. I believe that we can know the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit works in our life as a compass. Now, I'm going to be jumping around in a few different places in Scripture today, so I brought a little chart so we can uh, do some homework after the message today, okay? We can do some of our own work. We can go on our own journey about how the Holy Spirit works in our life. So you can grab a picture of this. If you're online, you can grab a screenshot of it. These are the ways that the Holy Spirit works as a compass in our life. First, the Holy Spirit points to Jesus. He points to our true north. Secondly, the Holy Spirit points to the coming kingdom. He orients us towards our ultimate destination. And finally, the Holy Spirit acts as a compass in that he shapes our path. All right, let's hit those first two to begin with. Number one, the Holy Spirit points to true north. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. 
That's one of his roles. In first, I'm sorry, in John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. In John 15, 26, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will testify of me. In John 16, 13, the Spirit will glorify me. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to remind us of what Jesus has said, to show us what he is like, and to develop in us the character of Christ. Now, if we want to navigate anywhere, I mean, just think of our earthly navigation. In order to navigate anywhere, you have to have a point of reference. There has to be an external point of reference that orients you to your current surroundings and then points you towards where you want to go. We have to have an external reference outside of ourselves that anchors us, orients us, grounds us, and defines us. We all have those points of reference. The question is, what are they? For some of us, our true north might be our family of origin. It might be a cultural origin. Those expectations that, that define for us, here is where we are and how we're supposed to be. It's, it's, it's grounding us in our current reality and orienting us to our surroundings. It might be a political party. It might be the opinions of others. It might be your job. It might be uh, financial status or financial security. There are a number of things that can serve as our true north or serve as our external point of reference. But if we are followers of Jesus, Jesus is our true north because Jesus is the constant, unchanging source of all truth. So the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. He points us to true north, the one who anchors us, describes for us, defines for us where we are, and orients us to our surroundings. Secondly, the Holy Spirit points us to the coming kingdom. He points to the ultimate destination. He points to the place where we are ultimately going. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, Paul uses this same language of deposit guaranteeing what is to come in his letters to the Corinthians. It, it's a Greek word, arabon, and it means, uh, in, in other ancient documents, it's translated as a down payment. It was the first installment, and it established legal ownership. The Holy Spirit seals you. You are sealed in Christ because of the Holy Spirit, and you are guaranteed an inheritance, and you are guaranteed a final destination. Jesus kept proclaiming when he was on earth. Jesus preached. This is what he preached more than anything else. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is right around the corner. 
See, the Jewish people had this longing for, this deep belief that one day God was going to intervene in the affairs of humanity and put the true king on the throne. That God was going to make everything that was wrong right again. That he was going to fix what was broken. And this was the message and the ministry and the life of Jesus. Jesus said, the lost will be found, the dead will be raised back to life, the sick will be healed, everything will be made right. And in the death and resurrection of Jesus, the new kingdom was initiated and inaugurated. The kingdom is here. But now, you're probably looking at your life and saying, well, I've still got some things that are broken. It doesn't take a lot to look around at the world and realize some things are still not right. We live in this place that theologians call the now and the not yet. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is coming. The Holy Spirit is God's deposit that guarantees he will make good on his promise. The Holy Spirit is given to us so we can live with a little glimpse, a little window, a little foretaste of kingdom life. The Holy Spirit reminds us we have a future with Jesus. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we are not really where we want to be, but God has promised something more. It gives us eternal perspective on our present circumstances. It's like the Holy Spirit lets us live in tiptoe anticipation of the kingdom that is coming. I I think that's what the fruit of the Spirit is, the love, joy, peace, patience, it's the Holy Spirit saying, this is the way you were meant to live. And you can experience kingdom life in the here and now because the Holy Spirit is the deposit. He points us to our ultimate destination. Holy Spirit orients us to true north, points to Jesus, points to our ultimate destination, the coming kingdom. And then finally, the Holy Spirit shapes our path in the present. I'm going to slow down a little bit on this one. And by the way, why don't we put that table up again that shows those places that talk about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. When you look at the book of Acts, you see a number of um, of places, well, I'm all, I'm all, I need the Holy Spirit to direct my path right now. We see a number of places where the disciples are relying on the Holy Spirit daily for direction in decision making, for strategy in mission, for just practical knowledge of where to go and what to do. And, and the Holy Spirit spoke in a number of different dialects. Sometimes he was speaking to them through the Old Testament scriptures sometimes through prayers, sometimes in the midst of worship. He would speak to them in dreams and visions, sometimes just in the midst of circumstances. And here's what's really interesting. When you immerse yourself in prayer and worship and scripture and the counsel of others, then the Holy Spirit begins to speak in like hunches, right? Like we see in some of those places and acts that the Holy Spirit compelled or the Holy Spirit stirred or it seemed good to them in the Holy Spirit. So when we immerse ourselves in those spaces and places and postures of scripture and prayer and worship and relying on one another, the Holy Spirit just begins to drop hunches in our spirit. 
Now, sometimes the direction the Holy Spirit gave in the book of Acts made no sense. Like, he tells Philip to actually leave the work that God is doing in one place to go down a barren wilderness road. Totally in the opposite direction of the way that God's working. Told Peter to go into the home of a Roman soldier. And then sends Paul and Silas straight into a dead end. Didn't make sense. But every single one of those moments became a catalytic moment for God's work and God's word to break into new communities. I'm going to share with you today, I think, one of my favorite places in Scripture. Can I do that? It's in Acts 16. It's part of Paul's second missionary journey. We're going to pick it up in verse 6. Acts 16, verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled to the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for, for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. One quick commentary has nothing to do with the rest of the message. But if you notice, the pronouns change here. From verse 8, they change from them to we. That's probably because that's the moment, this is the moment right here, where the author of Acts, Luke, picks up and joins them on this journey. That's just one of those fun things I like seeing in the text. All right. This is a section of Paul's second missionary journey. And when we slow it down, we realize it is full of delays and detours and dead ends. Let's put that map up for just a minute. You know I can't preach without having a map in the back pocket, okay? So here's what happens. There's a decision made in Acts 15 at the Jerusalem Council about how Gentiles are to engage with the faith of Jesus. And so Paul and Silas then take that decision, take that news of the Holy Spirit to the churches that they have planted before up here. And then they decide they want to take the gospel to new places. Now, I can't prove this. This is Heather's opinion, okay? This, is, this, this isn't biblical. This is what Heather thinks based on the direction Paul was going and what I know of Paul. I believe Paul was going to Ephesus. And I believe that in part because Ephesus was the fourth largest city in the world at that time. It was a cultural center, and that's just how Paul worked. He went to cultural centers. But as he's going west... The Holy Spirit will not let him enter into Asia Minor. So he stops, he recalibrates, and he turns north to go upwards towards Bithynia. But then you see he gets right up there, and the Holy Spirit won't let him go in there either. So once again, he turns his course west and walks and walks and walks. And by the way, some scholars believe he actually had to backtrack at that point because in the ancient world there were no roads going west from that particular border. And we also think this is the place that Paul later references in 2 Corinthians 11 where he was in danger of river and danger of bandits because that place was so desolate. 
So they go west and they come to the port of Troas. And then we read that they get a, a vision from God. It's a man from Macedonia saying, come over here. They interpret that as the Holy Spirit is sending us over there to preach the gospel. They get in a boat and they go. Now, I want to slow it down. Because in my Bible, the headline for this particular passage is Paul's vision of the man of Macedonia. But that's only the last two verses of this section. The three verses before that feel like complete confusion. Right? I'm going west, can't go there. I go north, oh, can't go there. Turn west again, and they get all the way to Troas. And in the in seaport of Troas, behind them is every place God said no. In front of them is the open sea. They are literally at a dead end. In the three verses before they got to Troas were hundreds of miles that they walked on foot. In those three verses are days and weeks of daily obedience to the path that the Holy Spirit was carving for them that made no sense without any clear direction about where they were supposed to go. Delays, detours, dead ends. The Holy Spirit will shape our path, but, but he rarely works in straight lines. When I was graduating high school, I remember pleading with God, like, I, I, I was going to go to LSU and study biological engineering, but there came a point where I was like, I don't know, maybe God has something else for me. I had this, this hunch that maybe I was called to do missions. And so I remember one night in particular, I was praying, God, I'm not going to sleep tonight until you tell me what you've called me to do. Now, some people claim that they've heard the inaudible but unmistakable voice of God, Right? I think that night I might have heard the inaudible but unmistakable laugh of God. I felt like the Holy Spirit just said to me, Heather, take a deep breath. Just relax. Go get your engineering degree. Let me take care of what comes later. And so I did that. And then I got a master's degree, and then I went to D.C. for a little while, worked on Capitol Hill, then went to Nashville to work as an engineer for a little while, come back to D.C. to work, for, uh, to work on Capitol Hill for a bit, and then got kind of tricked into ministry, and here I am today. <laughs> now, if you had told me 20 years ago that I would be right here, right now, I would have plotted my point of origin in Mobile, Alabama, I would have pointed my destination point right here. I would have taken my ruler out and drawn a straight line. There are faster ways to becoming a pastor than learning how to manage wetlands for wastewater management, learn how to solve fourth order partial differential equations and draft legislation. You could have skipped all that. But here's the deal. 
I could have taken a quicker path to get here, how much life would I have missed in the process? If I had taken a quicker path, I would have missed Saturday nights at Death Valley with the LSU Tigers. I would have missed cutting my teeth preaching to 15 students at Destiny Campus Ministries on Thursday nights. I would have missed meeting my friends from, who are followers of Jesus from Kenya and Malaysia and China who gave me a broader view of the work that God was doing in the world. I could have skipped going to Nashville, but then I would have missed meeting Dave Buring, who has been an important disciple-making voice in my life for the past 15 years. I could have skipped seven years of infertility, but I would have missed the beauty of friends who pray for you and fast for you, the tender mercies of God saying, I see you and I know you and I love you, and having a front row seat for the miracle of Zahir Elizabeth Zimple. Look, I could have skipped learning about bioreactor design and how that related to making disciples, but I would have never written Community as Messy. I could have taken a quicker path, and I might have avoided some pain. I might have avoided some uncertainty. But how many miracles and how much joy would I have missed if I had carved my own path? Let the Holy Spirit shape your path. Now look, there are, some, there are some chapters in my life where they don't make sense. I still don't understand why the Holy Spirit led me that way. I'm not sure why the Holy Spirit brought me into that situation. But because of the work I've seen him do in the past, I am trusting with everything I am that he's working all of that together for the good as well. The Holy Spirit will shape our path. He will even take the things that were mistakes And in his sovereignty and in his goodness, bring beauty and redemption and life out of it. Paul didn't have a straight path either. Now, Paul did eventually get to Ephesus. Let's let's put that map up again. He eventually got there, but it was like it was like a full circle come around, right? He goes all the way up here, he gets to Troy. Now, he gets there, and then he's called over to Europe, goes all the way through there, Macedonia, Greece, and then winds up in Ephesus. Had he taken the straight path to Ephesus, would churches have been planted in Thessalonica, Philippi, Berea, Corinth? He would have missed out on that miraculous moment when he's sitting in the Philippian jail and the The shackles just fly off of his arms and his legs. He would have missed meeting Lydia and starting a church in her home. He would have missed standing in the Areopagus of Athens and contending for the gospel in the marketplace of ideas. Think about this entire continent of Europe that the gospel enters into. He would have missed out on all of that. Think about the books of the Bible that may have never been written, the churches that may have never been planted, the disciples that never might have been made. He eventually made it to Ephesus, but it took him a lot longer than he thought to get there. Let the Holy Spirit shape your path. And don't try to take a shortcut. 
Because when we try to take shortcuts in the work that God is doing in our lives, we can actually short-circuit the work he wants to do in us and through us. If the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, then we can be pretty certain he's going to lead us into some unexpected and uncharted and unwanted places as well. He not only allows them to happen in our lives, he may actually lead us into them. We might find ourselves in situations where we feel like, I am frustrated with this delay. I'm confused about this detour. I'm confounded by this dead end. But if you're a follower of Jesus, don't ever for one moment think that a delay, a detour, or a dead end is the end. Because you know what a delay might be? A delay might be God in his grace hitting the pause button so that the character of Christ can be formed more deeply in you so that you develop the character you are going to need to sustain the higher calling that you didn't even know was on the other side of it. You might hit a detour and in that moment you just remember that the Holy Spirit is pointing you to your ultimate destination. That you live in a now and a not yet. And that plays out over and over and over in our lives. And you have the opportunity to live with tip top toe anticipation of the kingdom that is coming. You have the ability to show what it looks like to live in contentment. To live with joy, to live with peace, to live with love even when you're in the place that you don't really want to be. And when you face a dead end, maybe, just maybe, Jesus is about to turn your life into a real life, tangible expression of resurrection. When you are facing the impossible, when you are facing the irreversible, when you are facing a place where there is no path visible, there's no solution available, perhaps the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is going to resurrect something in your life and use your life as a trophy of grace for everybody around you to see and for you to have a front row seat of a miracle. Jesus may be just setting you up to reverse the irreversible, to make the impossible possible, to put your life on display as a trophy of resurrection power. Let the Holy Spirit shape your path. I want to invite you into a couple of things this week. Could you just maybe experiment with this for the next For the next week, as you think about orienting your life to true north, to Jesus, let him ground you, anchor you, interpret for you your surroundings. As you set your sights on the coming kingdom, we're not where we want to be, but God is taking us to where he wants us to be. And we allow the Holy Spirit to shape our path. One thing I want you to do when you wake up in the morning, first words out of your mouth, come Holy Spirit. Just invite, be aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life and invite him in to make you more aware of his presence and the work he's doing. Say, come Holy Spirit. Who needs a word of hope and encouragement today? Put their name on my heart so I can go into today with hope and encouragement for that person. What circumstance or predicament is not on my calendar but you're leading me into? 
You know I'm walking into it. What is that thing? Would you make me aware of your presence in that moment? Would you make me aware of the work you're doing and allow me to live with kingdom anticipation in it? Where are you at work? Who are you having a conversation with? Who are you already talking to? In my workplace, in my neighborhood, in my family, in my school. And then how can I join that conversation with you? Come Holy Spirit. Let's do this day together. And then the second thing I want to encourage you to do, when you open up the scripture and you read scripture, I want you to ask two questions. One, Holy Spirit, what are you revealing to me in the word of God? Because the same spirit that inspired the writers will illuminate it to us today. Holy Spirit, what are you revealing to me? And secondly, what do you want me to do about it? Because the scripture and the direction of the Holy Spirit is not given to us just for consideration. It's given to us for activation. What are you revealing to me? What do you want me to do about it? Holy Spirit, may we know you. May we know your resurrection power. May we know your guarantee of the promise that is to come and live new life in resurrection. May we see Jesus more clearly. Show us Jesus. Show us what he's like. Show us what he would do. Show us how to orient our lives around him, towards him, with him. Holy Spirit, we just want to go on adventure with you. Lead, Holy Spirit, and we'll follow. In Jesus' name, amen.